0: David Donahue of Manassas Baptist Church. David and his wife, Veronica, will celebrate 31 years of marriage, or if not 32 this year. Awesome. They have one daughter, Lauren, who is going to be a master's student at Vanderbilt University this fall. David is the pastor of Manassas Baptist Church in Manassas, Virginia, where they have over 55 nations represented in their congregation. David and Veronica met on a missions trip to Mexico City, where they were eventually married, and then David went off to Texas to attend uh, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, He's been in Virginia since 1994, where he has led congregations there, and I am just so grateful to introduce you to this guest today, because I have been able to listen in on some of Pastor Donahue's sermons, which are so Christ-exalting, but he really also, because of the Lord Jesus Christ in his life, has a pastor's, a shepherd's heart. And I want to read a verse that I found to you, Pastor Donahue, that made me think of you. In Jeremiah this morning, I was reading Jeremiah 315, and this verse reminded me so much of you. It says, I will give you, I will give you shepherds according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Thank you, Pastor Donahue, for caring so much about your flock. Thank you for your desire to lift up those that are the hidden heroes in your congregation and our world. And thank you for the difference that you're making across the globe because of the amazing congregation the Lord has allowed you to pastor with such a diverse Group where you are feeding the hungry, you are meeting the needs of the new natives that are moving into our land, and uh, you are pointing them to Jesus. Welcome to the show.
1: What an honor! Thank you for the opportunity. I'm excited. I I've been following your father and your dad's story for a long time, and and getting the opportunity to speak with you is pretty cool. So uh, I'm excited to have the opportunity to meet with you and whoever's listening today. So that's fun.
0: Oh, I'm just so appreciative of you and Veronica, and I really have to go there first. Tell me about that missions trip. That, that, <laughs> you must, you must have an easy sell to your congregation for missions
1: now. <laughs> you know, um, I went to Southwest Baptist University in Bolivar, Missouri, and um, and we had a, have a missions program there called Cameo Missions, and I really wanted to go on a missions trip uh, to Mexico City. And I uh, flew down with my favorite professor, Dr. Claude Mariottini. And uh, Dr. Mariotini and I have been very close. We remain close to this day. And I did not believe in love at first sight. Did not believe it. I thought it was silly. I thought it was goofy until I laid eyes on my wife, Veronica. And I was 20. She was 16. And when I saw her, I was wow. I was, I was smitten. And uh, her my wife grew up in an upper middle class family in Mexico City. Her father was a vice president with Pemex and her mom had her own business and did some different things. And and I was just smitten. We were there for three weeks and uh, man, I, I was crazy in love. And those are the days when you didn't have cell phones to text and you right. could and calling her on the phone was three dollars a minute. Oh. So we we committed we committed um in a long distance relationship. To read the same psalm every day, and we prayed for one another, and mm-hmm. flew back and forth when we could, and, and we got married, and we're celebrating 32 years in uh, July of this year. So, uh-huh. so yeah, I like to jokingly say that um, I, I was not fluent in Spanish at that point, and I'm really not fluent now, but I can communicate. Mm-hmm. But um, man, I I just. I just fell head over heels in love with her.
0: <laughs> and the Lord, and the Lord knew that He was going to give y'all a congregation, a fifty-five nations represented in your congregation. Tell us a little bit about because you're in Manassas, which is right out of Washington D.C. That's right. So what an incredible gift that y'all are uh, to those.
1: So my wife um, when we moved to Virginia in 1994 she started working with a the migrant farm workers in rural Virginia and for eleven years she worked with programs helping students uh, graduate go to college learn English and just just thrive and and, and be very successful in Virginia and the United States and uh, and about seven or eight years into that, in 2001, right before 9-11, she was recognized by her nation uh, and given an award called the Oatley Award, which means, that's a Nahuatl word, which means showing the way. And so my wife has always been about the business of helping people find their way in the United mm-hmm. States. And after that, she was recognized by uh, then-Governor Warner and then-Governor Kane and, and served in advisory capacities to help. Uh, the migrant farm workers, and then also the Hispanic advisory board here in Virginia. And when we moved to, when I was interviewing with this church, one of the things that attracted me is this church has had an ESOL program, English as a second or other language, since the Vietnam War. And so when the very first uh, boat people were making their way and refugees were coming here, we started, this church started in 1967, 1968, 69, an ESOL program for those persons. And uh, one of those ladies is still living. She's in a nursing home okay. right now. And, uh, and we have a fantastic program. And so pre-COVID, we would have 75 to 100 plus new arrivals, learning English in our church, and that just became a front door for our church, and now um, we have four language congregations, Spanish, Arabic, Vietnamese, and Korean, but in our English services, we have people from all over the world. And, and I love the beauty of that. And so when I meet a person that's from Zimbabwe, or I meet a person that's from the Congo, or I meet a person from wherever, man, I write it down. They're like, oh, there's 53, there's 54, whatever. Yeah. And, um, and it's just fascinating to me how God has brought all these people here. And my fa- one of my favorite stories is there's a family that attends our church from uh, Ghana, and they are all very tall, very tall, handsome family. Mm-hmm. And I started talking uh, with this family. And the father, his name is Ave. And Ave and I are about the same age. And we were talking and I found out that Avi uh, builds rockets for NASA. Oh. And he has fl- he has been the commander for about a, a dozen missions for NASA, never going up as an astronaut, but flying them remotely. And I have another friend who builds rockets and his name is Ave And he's in Israel. And so I have two friends named Avi, and they both build rockets. And so I uh, found out a little bit later that because of Ave's work with uh, NASA, he's known as Africa's rocket man. And his, his tribe in Ghana is, are the, the Ashanti people. And he was made a king in his tribe with the purpose of inspiring Ghanaian children. And so we actually have a king that attends our church and he is a wonderful human being. I love that guy. Five great kids and just a good family. So our church has got all kinds of folks that come from all over the world and just fascinating, fascinating stories. Well, I
0: think that's what attracted my husband and me to your ministry so much is you are a people person, very, very much like, you know, I, I cannot go to a restaurant with my dad that that he literally of course this is pre-covid <laughs> but where he would not go from table to table and literally get to know the families that were sitting around us and you know I, you just don't get that anymore but i feel like you are of the same cloth of of dad that everybody has a story that you That's know and 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 pulling out those god stories within your congregation. I've I've listened to some of your interviews of, and your heart for the military uh, family is very much like um, my parents and and mine, of course. And I was so honored, uh, Pastor Donahue, I don't know who sent me the video of one of your sermons where you had actually read the entirety of um, my latest release, Is Your Dad a Pirate? And, you know, that book was, of course, a tribute to um, our veterans, but it was a special tribute to those hidden heroes, those spouses that are the unsung heroes so often, because they're the ones that are literally kindling the fire at home and making sure that they're staying. But I, I so appreciated that. But I feel like you have such a heart for that hidden hero.
1: Well, for me, I think everybody has a story everybody, everybody has a story. And as a pastor, it's my joy and my privilege to hear those stories and learn those stories. And, and, and many and many of those stories, they need to be told again, like we had a a young man in our church, a fantastic uh, uh, Marine from uh, Fredericksburg. His name's Chris Ashenhurst. And he worked for the commandant to the Marine Corps. He was the adjutant Mm -hmm. to the commandant, which is a pretty impressive position. Mm -hmm. And he's a commander of a a battalion of tankers until the marines got rid of their tanks recently yeah and chris's story is amazing but what's more impressive to me than chris's story and i respect what chris has done to the nth degree and i could tell you some incredible stories about chris but his wife raised three children while that man was deployed i think seven or eight times and a sermon series that i did i talked about heroes and you know you would think we would talk about chris because of his sacrifice but for me, the hero was Allison because of the way she has held that family together and helped that family prosper. And, and so it was really a time to recognize uh, the sacrifices that she has made. And undoubtedly, Chris has made enormous sacrifices and decorated uh, American hero. But uh, Allison's story to me is just, wow. Just just like your mom, your she yeah. Wrote,
0: So Yeah. Well, tell me, Pastor Donahue, in the midst of this pandemic, and we are, I, I believe this week, is actually 365 days uh, that, you know, we've, we've kind of endured uh, a new normal, so to speak. Uh, as a pastor, how challenging has that been for you, especially one like you who is a shepherd of the people and you you like that one-on-one contact? Uh, how challenging has that been and how have you seen God's faithfulness in, in new ways? Okay.
1: Well, that's a great question because the reality is I am a people person and I I am not a fan of, of having online conversations. I would much rather sit down and sit face to face, have a meal, have coffee, whatever. Yeah. And so it's been a big adjustment for me just because I'm used to the, the people. Um, but what I have done is I have made hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of phone calls and spoken with people. I have written, I still write letters. And so I write letters. And I, again, I've written hundreds of letters uh, and I I get thank you notes for my letters. And I'm like, seriously, but you know, people appreciate having a letter in the mailbox. Um, I have, I've only been into the hospital a handful of times. Uh, One time was with a, a person who was dying of COVID and they let me into the ICU and uh, I had to gown up, um, and so the pastoral care has been really, really tough because I believe very strongly in pastoral care, and that has been a, a challenge just to to be with people during crisis. We've had about a hundred people in our congregation sick with COVID. We've lost four, um, and and that's been that's been so so hard. Um, but the but the beauty of it is. It's forced us to go online and and we've done it seamlessly. We've um, Prior to COVID, I would generally speak to about 500 people a Sunday. And then there were another 100 children. Our children's ministry and the four language congregations have another 400 or so. We'd have about 1,000 people on our campus. Yeah. And now um, speaking regularly to 1,500 to 2,000 people online and they're connecting. It's so awesome. I do a Wednesday night Facebook Live Bible study, and there's a a daughter in Hong Kong. Her dad lives in Maine, and they join me in Manassas, and they'll have a dialogue. She's in Hong Kong at 6 a.m. in the morning. He's here in Maine, and they're talking while we're doing our Bible study. And Another family, the wife was here in Manassas. The husband was in Washington. The mother-in-law was in Southern California, and we're in our Bible study and connecting and doing that and my and a third one is a a family just left our church and moved to Pretoria, South Africa. Her mother is in Anniston, Alabama, and on Wednesday nights we're all together around oh, the world. That doing, is good. So it's that's been challenging, but that's pretty amazing. That is and so. Pretty amazing. So we're having a good time with that, that's Pastor kind of Donahue.
0: Who would you say from God's Word is your hero of the faith?
1: Um, well, it's Jesus. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Doug Mur Doug Murren, uh Doug Buren is a a church consultant out in Seattle. And, uh, and he says to a lot of pastors, uh, he says, guys, if Jesus isn't the hero of your sermon, then stop speaking. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that kind of struck me. And I, and I thought, my goodness. And so for me, it's, it's the way Jesus lived his life. And I, that's, that might be the, the cliche answer, but it's, Jesus. It's the way he loved, the way he forgave, the way he gave, the way he set the tone, the way he established what, who we are and what we are. And if I were to look at a, a person, you know, I, I'm an encourager. And so Barnabas is a big deal to me. And uh, that son of encouragement who met uh, the apostle Paul and and brought him into the fold and helped him grow and helped him become and develop. Uh, I think that's, if I were to look at one, might be Barnabas or the apostle Paul through the book of Philippians and the joy that he had and that's kind of kind of my my well when you said that
0: you love to write letters i I did i did think oh that paul is probably his hero because paul Uh, is such an encourager with letter writing and and encouraging um, people in churches all over that he had been that the lord allowed him to establish what passage of scripture has meant the most to you recently
1: you know for me When I have been struggling through COVID and working my way through COVID, I have found myself landing in the book of Psalms. And, And I tell people when they're dealing with grief or they're dealing with heartache or they're dealing with stress or they're dealing with struggle, go to the Psalms. And don't rush through reading it, but just take your time and I land on Psalm 1 and I land on Psalm 23 and I land on Psalm 27 and I land on Psalm 103 and I land on Psalm 73 and I land on Psalm 119 and just letting those Psalms just speak into my heart peace and security and safety and I think about Jesus in 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 what he said uh, about about casting all of your cares on him and addressing this whole idea of, of finding, a, finding the peace that he gives and, and, the, and what Paul said in Philippians chapter four and verse six in talking about the peace that passes understanding. Yeah. There's been so much anxiety and so much stress politically and with COVID and with people who are stressed out of their minds. And I've tried to let the peace of God speak to my heart So that I can speak to other people, because if I'm dealing with anxiety and I'm dealing with stress and I'm dealing with anger. It's not going to be really good for me to be able to try and help and encourage other people. So for me, the book of Psalms has been my my go to. I'm working my way through a new devotional through the Bible this year, and it's a chronological reading. Of the Bible, and uh, and it doesn't have as much reading in the Psalms as I, I would like. So I I find myself just kind of even going back more into the Psalms, just because yeah. the Book of Psalms is a is a balm for my heart and soul. Yeah, I think you you see the gamut of emotions which all of us have faced during COVID in yeah. the Book of Psalms. So
0: what um, what sermon series have been kind of birthed out of this pandemic for you that uh, that you'll look back one day and then you'll see that oh you know you you were you're so obedient to just listen to the voice of the Lord through his scripture uh, that you'll look back and again just track God's faithfulness to you through this season and what you've been teaching
1: oh that's a good word I I I when I when I preach a sermon I put it in a file and I kind of forget about it and and I the person who went went through and filed all my sermons I handed her this large notebook of of sermons from 2020. And I said to her, I said, these might be the best sermons I've ever preached because they have been, they have been preached out of angst and anxiety. They've been preached out of fear and worry. They've been preached out of Uh, desperation and, and just all the different things that we have felt this year. In the month of February, I preached a message series on facing the giants and talking about the giants that we're dealing with. I based it on the story of King David and Goliath and then just kind of extrapolated that out to some other giants we've dealt with, the giants of finances that are kicking people down, the giant of addiction that has been rearing its ugly head during COVID, the giant of uh, the criticism and the arguing and the division that we have faced and just looking at ways to try and encourage people. God has God has been doing some pretty cool things and in, in some inspiring words, I, I think in trying to help us and help pastors share messages that have been encouraging and supporting of uh, of, of congregations. And so I, uh, I, I I don't have a specific one but just mm-hmm. trying, to, trying to be an encourager to people as they process through what has been the most challenging thing of our lives. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's been very difficult. We can only compare it something, in my opinion, back to the uh, World War II and just the, the tragic loss of life and the, everybody was affected by, by that event. And so mm-hmm. you would appreciate this. My, uh, I, I have across, you can't see it, but I have what I call my wall yeah. of honor my uh one uncle was wounded at pearl harbor another uncle was landed at normandy uh another uncle was in uh in the merchant marine and then uh, my father and my mother and uh and so i've got a got a neat neat little Family recognition of of persons who served from our family during World War II. So
0: you do come from a you come from a long line of heroes as well. What what a gift! No wonder you have such a heart for our our military. And the Lord has again positioned you right there in the midst where you're working with so many of those that are in military leadership and those that are formulating policies for uh, those that are in your congregation. I know one of the probably most divisive uh, issues over the last few years has been with, with immigration. But your sensitivity to dealing with those that are dealing with the strains and stresses on coming to a new world and then leaving family behind, I'm just so grateful for you just proclaiming the gospel, knowing that, that he goes before us, he's behind us. When we pray to receive Christ. He's within us. So we are bubble wrapped right. in his love, no matter where we are. That's so. exactly
1: right. We had a, a, one of our deacons passed away last week. His name was Emmanuel Adian. He was a refugee from the civil war in Liberia and uh, Emmanuel had sickle cell anemia and he died uh, last Sunday and his funeral is going to be later this month. And his story of what he endured, your father would have had a, would have been amazed at his faith and what the stories he told me were just astonishing. And this, this man would stand and greet people at our church and people would Uh. walk by this guy. He greeted people week after week after week. And, and the heartache and the heartbreak that he endured and the freedom that he enjoyed in this nation. uh, What a faithful patriotic man he was. And he loved what we have in our nation. And being in a congregation where you have people from all over the world, mm-hmm. um, it's they recognize the beauty and the freedoms that we that we have here, and it's a it's a good thing. And uh, and you know it's it, you know we also hear some very hard stories. And uh, and there's there is immigration is a big issue for us. My wife and I have been very involved in that arena. Uh, the mm-hmm. Bible, sometimes the, we we forget the passages. If you read through the Old Testament. The many, many, many times the Bible talks to us about caring for the yeah. aliens among you, yeah. and and sometimes we we miss that. I I I went to a movie premiere with John Grisham um, a number of years ago, and uh, I don't remember what movie it was that he was whatever it was. But anyway, I wanted to speak to him because he's a Southern Baptist. And I uh, went to talk to John Grisham about some different things. And he said, well, uh, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And he says, does, does your church do anything to help immigration and immigrants? And I said, oh yeah, we do a lot. And I started listing all the things that we do. And he looked at me he says, what kind of pastor are you? I said, I'm a Baptist. And he looked at me and says, you can't be a Baptist because you care about immigrants. And I said, well, Jesus cares about immigrants and the Bible tells us to care about immigrants. And he said, well, you're the first Baptist minister I know who cares about immigrants, and oh. so that was my encounter with John Grisham in, in that event. But uh,
0: I, I would I would venture to say, Pastor Donahue, that you know carpet selection, uh, maybe the worship music, uh, some of the things that are really tearing other congregations apart in in some. Uh, of these that you know have been kind of established for a long time those are probably not the issues that your congregation faces because you're, you know I mean, you're coming from those that are just you know from countries that have been oppressed and they're just so grateful for the freedom like you said to worship that their perspective um Maybe different. Am I correct in that or not? I mean, I know we're all sinful, so there's always going to be that.
1: <laughs> you know, our our, our church, um, our church, we have a lot of debt. Uh, about 20 years, this build this church bought a the building that I'm in right now. It's a school building, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we paid about 18 million dollars for it, and and now we sit on about six million dollars worth of debt. And whenever you have financial challenges, yeah. you're always going to have stress. You're, you're going to have some issues that go on. And we have personnel challenges and all the same things that, that people have. But what I have tried my best to do is I've tried to get this congregation to look at the kingdom. We, we feed the hungry every week we take care of the homeless when the temperatures are cold we try to help our new arrivals with learning english and helping them in a variety of different ways we've got a partnership with the manassas police department they come in and they're in our building to meet families in crisis and different things Um, we are constantly doing the city the largest hospital in prince william county is next door to us and they're going to be using our facility as a distribution point for the vaccine. Uh, Right now the Red Cross is in our building because they desperately need blood. And so we try to do as many things as we possibly can to focus in on our kingdom call. Mm -hmm. And when you're focused in on that, that has a tendency to kind of dissipate the arguments about some of the smaller things. Yeah. But when you have financial challenges, that's a challenge. And then when you have some personality conflicts, that happens too. Yeah. We just try to try to work through that and focus in on um, seeking first the kingdom of heaven and that yep. whole Matthew six thirty three principle that Jesus Jesus conveys.
0: How may we encourage you? Uh, I know October is Pastor Appreciation Month. Uh, in my mind, I think pastors and their wives need to be appreciated every single month of the year. Um, but what would you say just allows your heart to feel lighter when a congregant will do this for you.
1: That's a very good word. Um, for me, I, you know, I enjoy I enjoy people, and so if somebody said, "Hey, let's have coffee," I like I can go have coffee or or whatever, and just have a, a good conversation. Um, I enjoy. I'm an outdoor person. I I enjoy yeah. skeet shooting. I enjoy hunting. I enjoy hiking. I enjoy fishing. Uh, those are things that kind of refuel my tank. And going to do that with some friends is is always encouraging. Um, showing up and being online or being in person, that's that's encouraging in, in that capacity. Being involved in the ministry that we do, whether that's feeding the hungry or, or in a, the financial obligations that we have, or reaching out to our neighbors, our deacons. Our deacons have made thousands, and I mean thousands of phone yeah. calls over and again, checking in on our senior adults. And I think any pastor that sees their congregation Intentionally trying to grow and intentionally trying to be uh, a part of advancing the Redeemer's kingdom wherever they are—that's yeah. encouraging. Not being divisive, not not taking care of our online presence, if you will, and uh, and some of the things that we post on social media, and just being the light of Christ. Our world is very dark right now. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of people that are just frustrated and if the body of Christ can shine the light of Jesus right now mm-hmm. we're going to see a reward we're going to see a harvest of epic proportions during and after yeah. my uh, one of our congregants uh, went to get uh, the vaccine through our hospital next door and when they were getting the shot they said that their pastor had helped get them uh, their appointment and and I was able to do that through a partnership i i won't go into and when she said that that she was a part of manassas baptist church the nurse that was taking care of her said you go to manassas baptist church and this person said yes well your church came over and delivered a truckload of pizzas at the start of covid and they were and we did we delivered hundreds of pizzas to our hospital and this nurse is talking and a second nurse hears what's going on and the second nurse comes over manassas baptist church provided pizzas for our entire floor and then A third nurse comes over and does the same thing. And then the director of the program comes over and hands her a card and says, I need to talk to your pastor about using your church as a a destination site for the vaccine. Now, you know, when you are spending a hundred bucks or 200 bucks or however much money we've spent on pizzas, it's not about pizzas. It's about showing people you love them. And it's about showing people you're praying for them. And, And every time I would I would tape, we would deliver those pizzas, and I would take a piece of paper, and I would write on there, your friends at Manassas Baptist Church love you and appreciate you, and we want you to know we're praying for you. Enjoy lunch. Mm -hmm. And there you go. And it doesn't take much. It's just shining the light of Christ Mm -hmm. and letting people and lifting up Jesus to the best of their ability. Audience,
0: uh, you have been blessed to hear the heart of a true shepherd. Uh, Pastor Donahue, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for your heart for the Lord Jesus Christ and for his call uh, to you to feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Um, Your obedience to that is such a blessing to my heart, to the heart of my husband, my children, uh, my mom and dad uh, who know you and love you. Thank you so much for being with us today, and thank you for the example that you're setting, um, being consistent to the call of the Lord Jesus upon your life.
1: Can I say one more thing? Absolutely. I have to give a shout out to Cleve McClary, and I want to say this, and I want to—I'll shut up after this. Uh, during when we had our men's group that was meeting during COVID, we met in a room socially distant, but we were together in the presence. And a guy in our church, uh, his, his, his name is Jethro. He's from South Carolina. And Jethro went to the Citadel. And Jethro had the worst, the worst case of uh, cancer that I've, I've ever heard. Uh, his numbers were through the roof. And, uh, and it was a very, very dark situation. And we were talking about people who had inspired us. And um, in the course of people going around the room talking about that, Jethro spoke up and he said, Lieutenant Cleve McCleary. And when he said that, I said, well, how did Cleve McCleary do that? He talked about his story in Vietnam and coming back and how he's sharing the love of Christ and preaching and sharing, et cetera, et cetera. And after that meeting, I got on Facebook and I sent Tara a message and I said, if you can get your father to reach out to this guy, that would make all the difference mm-hmm. in the world. And, uh, and Lieutenant McCleary, he called me up and then he called Jethro up. And he has been checking on Jethro. I don't know how many weeks he's been doing that. It wasn't a one and done, and it wasn't a two and done. He has done it over and over again. And he called me about three or four weeks ago. Hey, pastor, how in the world is Jethro doing? Is he doing better? And I said, Cleve, that just means the world to me. And so your father is an example of the light of Christ that is shining brightly. And I am grateful to call him, I haven't met him, but I'm grateful to call him a long distance friend.
0: Thank you. Uh, I know you don't want the applause. Uh, you don't want the highlight. You did not want to do this interview, but it's it's important because uh, you are one of those hidden heroes that is making a difference for the kingdom of, of, of Christ. And, and our family is truly grateful.